Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Time again for the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Good morning, Fred. Well, first up, Alan, still more discussion and fallout from the National Transportation Safety Board's preliminary report on the Uber's self-driving vehicle crash in Arizona a couple of months ago. That's the one that killed pedestrian Elaine Herzberg. You're highlighting a report, a blog that goes into the impact on AI, artificial intelligence. The headline is AI winter is well on the way, well on its way. Well, um, yes. I mean, the, the AI is very interesting because um, uh, it basically um, uh, kind of figures out um, what the situation is. But it only does it uh, sort of. It only does it up to a certain level of uh, probability. Uh, it, it It's not perfect. And in a sense, uh, it's becoming clear that uh, the issue is more about uh, what happens when it gets it wrong, in some sense, than, um, than it getting it right. And the problem with when it gets it wrong, it tends to get it really wrong uh, as opposed to, uh, well, close. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, in a simple situation, um, um, if it, uh, if it fails to see something, uh, or, uh, or detect an object, um, then, uh, that failure, uh, because it doesn't do it, uh, well enough, then results in some, um, some very bad, um, uh, results possibly and it's somewhat the same as as we operate as as humans uh you know at times we don't see uh um something and if you look at the uh, accident uh, statistics or crash statistics um i don't know 25% or a quarter of the of the uh of the crashes uh, people say, oh, uh, I didn't see it. Um, and uh, so uh, we operate that way too. But I think we're more tolerant of our limitations in these areas than I think we're going to be tolerant with the limitations uh, of um, of artificial intelligence. So um, we may find that we need to be substantially better than we are right now if we are going to begin to rely on these. We might rely on, on a fellow human being and tolerate the, their shortcomings, uh, but we may not be as, as uh, magnanimous with respect to AI. And so this is uh, this is a question that's be that's coming up um, uh, that's sort of central to the whole evolution of AI, and it seems to have been the way AI has progressed uh, in the past. It, it it 
uh, over a few years it makes major strides and then all of a sudden reaches some limit and then uh, basically uh, goes dormant for a while until all of a sudden somebody makes another breakthrough that lets it step up a in a, and improve um, uh, substantially, but then again, and then once it reaches that level, people say, "Well, you know, that was nice and cute, but um, but no, thank you." And uh, some people are beginning to maybe suggest this about uh, about AI with respect to uh, uh, to autonomous driving or driverless vehicles. Um, the, the the fundamental issue with some of the AI is that uh, it's really a black box and you, one doesn't really understand why it came up with the right answer uh, when it comes up with the right answer and can't seem to understand why, what the heck happened for it not to come up with the right answer when it fails. So the whole business of false alarms and and the reliability of these things is is starting to become uh, come into question, and um, and and it's a good discussion to have at this point in time. So that's why I highlighted it in the smart driving cars, and let people read what at least some people some others are saying about this, and begin to reach their own conclusions. The interesting thing here being that. Uh... AI may do a better job than we do, probably does uh, make vehicles safer when it when it's employed. But uh, the argument here is that's not good enough when something goes wrong, even if it's less frequently than than we make mistakes. That is that what you're saying? That's basically what what uh, what the issue is, and 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 so therefore. We just think it's going to have to be really good. And, and, and one of the things that I put in my hmm at the end was the links to, uh, to the uh, movie, uh, 2001 with respect to Hal. You know, Hal was a great computer, except, you know, it made a mistake once, although he claimed he <laughs> wasn't making he, she, whatever. It <laughs> never made a mistake. But guess what? It got turned off. So, um, I know that I, I think we tolerate fellow humans more than we tolerate machines in terms of its, their shortcomings. And related, I suppose, is another item you've highlighted, uh, from Cornell University titled Deep Learning, a Critical Appraisal. Yes, so that's you know that's again a a, a second look at this, and, and I think uh, it's well worth reading. This is part of the discussion we need to have. These are not perfect; they'll never be perfect. Uh, nothing is perfect. There's nothing with probability zero or probability one. And so, but the question is, is how close do we need to get so that we're all comfortable with this and say, yes, uh, this is all really worth doing. And is it right or wrong uh, in 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 your estimation for the news media to be highlighting the way, the way it does uh, every little accident, whether or not there are injuries uh, that may involve uh, autonomous modes in vehicles? 
Well, I think I think the highlight. I think it's fine if it you know if it sells advertising for them. That you know that's what they do. I mean that's what they're in their, they're in the job of doing. You know, trying to get clicks or trying to trying to get people to you know uh, look at their ads. So uh, that's fine. I think it's important that that each of these uh, that the data associated with each of these gets collected and analyzed. And uh, to see what went wrong so that we can fix it because there may be a, a correlation between all these things and, and these things are fixable. We have, we have to learn from every crash. And, and that learning is, uh, is how to uh, possibly fix it. Some of them may be unavoidable. Okay. Some of them may be truly unavoidable and, and that's, you know, that's nothing again is perfect. So there are some losses that will have to be, that will have to be stomached, um, uh, in the whole process of, of becoming better. Uh, but for those in which, uh, we can learn and say, Oh my goodness, uh, we, 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 we didn't see that one coming, but we can fix it. Well, then let's fix it. And that's the important piece of it. I guess case in point, uh, what what I was, I guess, uh, trying to get at was another Tesla crash in, in the news this week. A Model S on autopilot ran into a parked police car. A little embarrassing. Fortunately, no injuries, but the, the same old question. It's the same old question, and, and it could be the autopilot that, in fact, lost um uh lost view of the of the lane markings and steered the car out of the lane and hit this parked vehicle which i i it seems was not in its lane although it's hard to tell from from the information that i've seen about the crash but <laughs> The system should have a collision avoidance aspect of it so that if it steers out of the lane and starts heading for an, a brick wall or a parked vehicle or a tree or anything like that, it should then say, oh, my goodness, uh, maybe we should hit the brakes uh, or maybe we should swerve or maybe we should do something, not just I forget about it. It's not really there. I'm just going to go through it or whatever the algorithm is implying by not doing anything and crashing into these things. So there, there, there's a section in the logic of this, of their algorithm that says, my goodness, uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to invoke the automated emergency braking or automated emergency system or Oh my goodness, let's not get into the, uh, regime where I have to use my automated emergency braking system. Let me slow down and, and deal with it more, more conventionally. Uh, somewhere in their code, they don't have this. And again, this is all code and it's all, you know, very deterministic logic based on the data. And, and I don't, I can't imagine that, that their sensors did not identify, my goodness, there's an object ahead. But in all of these cases uh, involving Tesla, that's the Florida case, that's the fire truck case, that's the New Jersey barrier uh, butt end case. In this case, the, the crash involves a stationary object. So, 
that should be, that should be, you know, uh, a very, very, uh, important information for the designers of the, of the algorithms that are doing this to say, oh my goodness, where is it in our code that we're disregarding stationary objects? And as we know, there's very good reason to disregard um, some stationary objects because you can pass underneath them. Uh, but what about those that you can't pass underneath them and that you hit? Well, let's get smarter and let's improve our our algorithms to be able to deal with them. And at the same time, uh, we know that uh, these systems, at least in the in the Tesla and and many other vehicles, aren't designed for people to simply say, "Okay, I'm I'm letting go." Cars driving, right? And and they're not designed for that. And it's a good, it's, it's, it's a good thing. They're not even saying, oh, there's a stationary object. Are you sure we can pass underneath it? Now, maybe they, they don't want to divulge to the, to the user that they might have some question about the, their certainty of a situation and therefore they don't want to engage, you know, some, some, um, some feedback from, from the user. Uh, why? Because then people won't won't have confidence in them, in the system. But maybe people shouldn't have confidence in the system. Um, again, this is uh, part of the uh, human factors piece of this thing, especially when you put the human in the loop. You know, when do you want to ask for help and when don't you want to ask for help? When do you want to yell, um, uh, look out, there's a wolf out there on the prowl and when they're isn't a wolf on the prowl and you know this is this is a well-known situations and um and it's what we have to work on long way to go ars technica has a piece titled self-driving technology is going to change a lot more than cars it talks about the some new categories of vehicles Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it, 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 that's, that's why this is really a mobility revolution. It, it changes everything. I mean, it, it even goes farther than what the, what the, uh, uh this article, uh, suggests. And it, it, I love to use the elevator analogy. And, and again, if you look at an elevator, what it it makes a high rise building viable otherwise it would be useless uh, and um, and so therefore uh, the 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 provision of the mobility to go up and down in a building uh basically creates the value for the land the 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 floors that are in that building and essentially every building you go into you go into Macy's at Herald Square in New York uh it, it wouldn't be Macy's without escalators and elevators in there to take people up to the floors so that you know you could go to menswear and and um and it would be worth them putting anything in menswear and and it it delivers so much value to those to those floors that they provide the mobility system for free 
if you take this horizontally, you could look at a, at a community and say, uh, the property taxes that we, uh, that we collect from the prop from the from the property values is really proportional to how useful and accessible uh these uh, these uh, land uh, parcels are to um, to to the residents and the people and maybe if we provided better mobility uh, as opposed to forcing everybody to go to the car dealer, buy their own car, and then and then maintain it and and schlep themselves around to go to these places, that in fact uh, uh, the businesses that operate in the community, the schools that function in the community, uh, the social services that function in the community would all function so much better if we provided uh, enhanced mobility. Uh, to these uh, things. And all of a sudden you get the elevator, the horizontal elevator analogy in there so that it's maybe the community that provides this uh, out of the tax, uh, property tax revenue because they can collect so much more property taxes from that because the land is so much more valuable and is being used better because of the mobility. So if you, if you start thinking about it that way, then you, you get into all completely different uh, ways of doing this and 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 automation would be a key to being able to provide that mobility uh, affordably by the communities just like in in Macy's if you had to have human operators basically moving the the escalators and and controlling the 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 uh, elevators and so on, um, uh, the opportunities to do these things just wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be as great. And therefore you, you wouldn't get the value out of the, out of the buildings. So, uh, yes, um, uh, automation will come, will substantially, uh, change the vehicles, how we move, what we move, what we decide to move, not to move, um, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, a company called Neuro has applied to, to test fully driverless vehicles in Arizona. And these aren't designed to move people at all, just to move, move goods. Interesting looking vehicles. Right. Absolutely. So the goods movement. I mean, Jeff Bezos has to be working on this. I, I don't. They had. They. Uh, it hasn't been really made public, but he he has to be. He he has to get the the things that that we order on Amazon to our houses. We aren't going to go pick them up. And the the more efficiently he can do that with the more efficient vehicles, and you know maybe they'll incorporate drones or maybe they won't incorporate drones. Who knows? But but basically, um, uh, they're going to be doing that. And as I've suggested, uh, the best time to move goods would be to between one a.m. and and 5 a.m. in the morning in almost any community because, because at least the, the road system, the elevator shafts of the horizontal mobility, the, the public streets are totally unused at that time. Except for maybe, you know, garbage collection and, um, and maybe garbage collection could be automated too. Well, some of it is to to an extent, and obviously there's an awful lot of automation going on in Amazon's warehouses, and I suppose it's only a matter of time before it 
that all moves outside of the warehouse. Absolutely. And still plenty of buzz following this month's Smart Driving Car Summit in Princeton. Our friend Michael Senna has many of the highlights in the latest edition of his publication, The, the Dispatcher. Yes, it, uh, Michael uh, was uh, very kind and uh, gave us uh, gave a very uh, good summary of the parts of the com- uh, summit that he uh, participated in. He was a very active participant throughout. Um, the summit was really very good, and uh, and I think a, a lot of people uh, benefited greatly. And and the idea was that uh, it. Uh, uh, got a lot of people thinking and discussing and uh, and looking to ways to allow this to move forward uh, um, in the best way possible. And one of the more interesting things that, that I observed was obviously a lot of information uh, during the discussions, the panel discussions, that uh, the, the formal part of the program, but there was so much networking going on amongst the, the, the people who attended. And uh, a lot of uh, seeds, I suppose we could say, were planted that are, that are maybe just starting to sprout and, and will be sprouting in the coming weeks and months. Yes, we, we even have a little movement here in New Jersey, which is nice to see. And, and it's, it's also, um, it, it, in the end, it's, it's about the people and it's about the people coming together and, and working hard to, uh, to try to uh, capture the, all the benefits uh, of this technology with, uh, while avoiding, um, you know, potential pitfalls. Uh, again, as we've been saying, nothing is perfect, but the idea is that the, there are a lot of very, very valuable uh, aspects to, to all of this and uh, make it very worthwhile to uh, to participate. And there are many very, very good people at, at the summit, and we'll do it again next year. I was going to say, not too early to start planning to, to be in Princeton next spring. Absolutely. It's a nice time in Princeton, although it rained one evening, but, you know, it won't next year. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll be even better. Well, that's it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on iTunes, Google Play, and more, even on your Amazon Alexa. Look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for tuning in. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.